I have a special intro today prepared for you, mm-hmm. if you're ready, because today is Valentine's Day, whether or not okay. you celebrate it or not, or think it's a scam, which it totally is, but I've prepared a little something to open the show. Okay. Mike, your beard flows from the sky to the ground, oh, no. wrapping your face, keeping you warm as your ink pens abound. Federico, <laughs> with your iPads and coffee, supporting bakeries all over Rome, I hear your dog's barking. I think Sylvia is home. Roses are indeed red. Violets are somehow blue. I'm really sorry. This is the intro, and you probably are too. You're a a genius. You're a genius. That is beautiful. I feel like I want to marry you. Uh, Can you get a divorce and marry me instead? (laughs) Can you write my wedding vows? <laughs> you need to do a bit of them in Romanian. So just as long as you're good with that part. It's fine. Get... Everybody does vows on Google Translate. It's romantic anyway. <laughs> Stephen, I want to give you a, a tiny story and a little cautionary tale. So okay. for about 100 episodes of The Pen Addict, every single episode I used to come up with a special name for Brad. Mm-hmm. That became very, very difficult over time. You yes. are setting yourself up for something here. I think you should I, continue to explore your creativity week after week, but but be careful and make sure you're well prepared. At some point, I'll be back to the from Relay <laughs> FM. This is connected, <laughs> but it ain't today. It's not today. Uh, but we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we should thank the sponsors who made this episode possible: Sanebox, Anchor, and Zola. We have some follow up, and we, we are going to start. In the land of the tiny heads. <laughs> this is that, it's a land now? <laughs> it is. This is not as new as we thought it was. Someone mm-hmm. on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I looked for the tweet this morning and couldn't find it. Um, so please accept my apologies. The New York Times has an illustration on their website from 2015 that not only has a tiny head, it's a tiny head mime, I think. Mime police mm. officer. What's funny to me is uh, last night, uh, me and Nadine are in bed, and we're just like reading on our phones or our iPads or whatever, and she pokes me, and she shows me this image. She's like, ha, see? So I don't know where this came out, but this was on the front page of Reddit yesterday. So that's how it was been found and sent to us, including Mm. uh, by my fiancé. Moving on, uh, our next stop is a link at The Economist talking about uh, banned drugs in sports and the illustration has some people with tiny heads including one guy right in the middle with massive arms lifting some weights so i don't know if having a tiny head leads you to drug use or if drugs Mm. are the cause of the tiny head syndrome it's very confusing to me which comes first but uh it's troubling at least the name now ths tiny head syndrome is that a that a thing i think so okay maybe we then move on to a blog post by something called Typeform. I'm not real <laughs> familiar with Typeform, but they so the have... The very bottom of this page is one of the most horrific tiny head <laughs> oh my images God, I've ever tiny seen. Tiny head and huge hands. Huge hands. <laughs> huge hands. <laughs> no. Horrible. With Just very horrible. troubling fingernails. That's yeah. really the most upsetting part of this illustration. So that's that's also in the show notes. If you so, wanna. thanks to Lexus for sending that horrific image in. Yeah, that's burned in my mind forever. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have um, Snapchat, which 
used to be a thing. I don't know. They had a good quarterly results, so maybe they're a thing again. Uh, apparently, they have a filter that looks very much like a photo booth filter where you mm-hmm. shrink your head. So I'm not sure this counts because it's not an illustration. Um, I think Chad is a little bit of a tiny head wannabe, maybe, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to him. Is this a half so, point? Normally, we would say this is a half point. <laughs> yeah, it's a half yeah, point. A half point for <laughs> Chad. Point. Yeah, he lost the round robin. But I have some news. We've, you know, it started a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I believe the episode title was uh, Tiny Head Pandemic. It's everywhere. And the three of us have come down with THS. We have an amazing illustration that's in the show notes. It's the chapter art for this chapter, if you're listening to it, uh, and a podcast client that supports that sort of thing. And it's on a t-shirt over a cotton bureau, which you should go check out. We decided if you can't beat them, join them. So we have tiny heads now too. Maybe it's uh, it's not, you know, maybe I think my tweet was maybe it's a revolution and we're mm-hmm. joining in. Uh, so these shirts are up on Cotton Bureau for the the next uh, couple of weeks. There's the artwork is just amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. They're done by Chris Rowland, who did your awesome PodCon poster, right? Yep, Chris is an incredible illustrator um, whose work I enjoy very much. And when we decided that it was time for us to embrace our true tiny head form. Uh, I, we went to Chris to ask him if he could help <laughs> depict our new permanent state. And uh, this T-shirt, I will say, I mean, I don't own it yet, but from a design perspective, is my favorite T-shirt design that I have ever been a part of. I absolutely adore this illustration of the mm-hmm. three of us in our ultimate forms. <laughs> ultimate like form. it's it's wonderful. I have pens in my pocket. Stephen, he's very fancy. He's Mr. Work <laughs> Business Stephen with his laptop. Yeah. And it's Ultimate right. Federico in a stripy t shirt. <laughs> it's just As always, so good. Uh Kate pointed out that that in our previous art, Federico is also wearing that same striped yeah. shirt. I mean that's the, the level of detail here. Federico I only saw wears this. that striped shirt. That's why. Yeah, he <laughs> doesn't wear anything else. Uh, you sent us a draft of this, I think, over the weekend, and I just, I just started laughing. Just, it, it makes me so happy. It looks really awesome on a shirt that we did a gray and then sort of a, a blue and then sort of a in between blue and gray, like a mm-hmm. slate-ish color. It has a name that I can't think of. Indigo. Um, Let's call it space Indigo. gray. Space gray. That's what Apple would do. <laughs> yeah, it's just space a version gray. of space gray. Like it doesn't look like any just other space version. gray. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we should say this is a limited run. So we're only going to, once these are gone, they are gone. So if you're interested in one, uh, I would jump on it. Yep. And Cotton Bureau, now they do uh, reduce shipping costs outside of the US. So in the past, their shipping was pretty expensive, but they now have flat rate cheap shipping. So this is why we're going with Cotton Bureau uh, because they've, they've gotten uh, some great deals there. So no matter where you are in the world, you can get your hands on one of these. I'm extremely excited. Please go buy this T-shirt mm-hmm. because trust me, you will regret it if you don't buy it. This is yeah. possibly yeah. the best T-shirt that has ever been created by yeah. humans. If you get one of these and you come say hi to WWDC, Mike and I can officially promise that Steven will give you a high five. Um, that so is true. Make sure to get oh, a man. t-shirt and demand a high five from Steven at WWDC yep. if you come say hi. Yeah. I, I, I was nervous you were going to say a hug, and I wasn't. So does be... I. 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 I was. No, I, quite I, proud I of Federico. He let you off there. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Because that, that I would not have agreed to that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so that is uh, that is the tiny head section of the show. 
It's a regular thing here on this award-winning Apple podcast. <laughs> Did we win any awards? Of, of when? Um, uh, the don't, don't worry about details <laughs> like that. Uh, I need to talk about an award-winning band from Italy called The Seniors, yes. who oh, we God. uncovered last week were on Apple Music. And I wanted to share some of the Seniors mania that has been occurring uh, throughout the land uh, with people bringing HomePods into their life. So Ed Dale from Australia was the first person to send uh, a video to us of uh, him playing music on his HomePod. Um, I, to illustrate a fantastic sound effect thing that the HomePod does, had a little video that I posted on Twitter with some wonderful seniors music. And but probably my favorite, and these will be in the show notes, uh, at here before, underscore here before, underscore on Twitter, sent to us a hitherto unreleased uh, HomePod ad. Uh, I will say no more, but you should go and watch that video because it is real good. The best part of, of, of this situation that you both have manufactured on this show you is that... Brought it you brought You did it! You did it! We didn't even know! Well, you, I mean, you... I, may have, I may have edited two of your songs in last week's episode, but that was purely incidental. <laughs> you brought it up. And we also now have licensed this music as our uh, official outro music from to for in forever. Well, have you ch- have you checked with Enjoy Record if they think? Yeah, it's yeah, okay? yeah. It's all good. We're all good. Don't worry uh, about the- it. I, I can't promise that I'm going to edit that in every week. Oh. The best part of this situation is that the other seniors guys, they have no idea this is going on because I we don't talk too much anymore. Um, I mean, they don't know what I do exactly for a living, but you know, they don't—they have no idea that on Twitter and on a podcast, people are sharing and talking about these songs. So well, it's quite. You know funny. what happens with bands all the time? It's time for your reunion tour. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, we're gonna play at WWDC. <laughs> God, you could be the band. You could be the Bash Band. <laughs> don't even think of. Don't even think about it. Uh, no, I, each we each one of us we live in a different city. You know. Um, yeah, it's a typical band story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to just as well give a little piece of follow up on emoji reactions. So, two things on this uh, rejections, as you say. We were talking about this uh, with Jeremy last time. Uh, Sarah Perez over at TechCrunch posted an article uh, a couple of days ago uh, where she said. The company hasn't changed its policy on Apple emoji usage in apps, nor its enforcement, according to sources familiar with the App Store's review team processes. The policy does seem to be inconsistently enforced at times. So it seems like Apple haven't necessarily changed whatever their policy is. So the policy that was is the policy that is now. But it seems like, as usual, it's being applied strangely. And Jeremy over on the Emojipedia blog has been recording more issues of applications getting rejected, which is still happening, and also applications that have been accepted that use emoji in places where other apps have been rejected. So this is, yeah, uh, we've kind of come to the conclusion of this, another case of just inconsistent and poorly applied rules, I guess you would maybe call them, uh, over app review, which is, again, just leading to people being upset. I have another theory. Maybe there's someone in app review, maybe a group of people, but my theory only works if there may be one or two, that something happened to them, you know, an emoji did Mm -hmm. something to them at some point in the past, and now they've worked their way into Apple, worked their way into the app, app store review team, 
And is there like personal mission from God to get rid of emoji in UI elements and apps? You know, maybe they hit a thumbs up when they meant to hit a thumbs down and it ruined a relationship. Maybe they sent a black heart instead of a red heart and, you know, caused Valentine's Day problems. Shows that they truly hate someone. Maybe, maybe they're just a curmudgeon who doesn't like emoji. Like how you two, or well, more you, Stephen, hate my bitmoji. Why me? You know. I, well, I do hate see? bitmoji very see? much. See, you could be if you were in app review, you would reject all of the bitmoji related applications, right? I love bitmoji. Bitmoji is the true expression of, of me yeah. in stickers form. Now it's wonderful. You you would think though, I mean, what do you guys think about this? If it really is just there's a person or a couple people who are inconsistent for some reason. Wouldn't Apple have a record of who reviews what? Like, you think this would be easily fixed, right? If it is somebody just, maybe they misinterpret, you know, best case scenario, and I, I honestly believe this is what's happening, if this is the case that uh, Sarah's reporting says Apple hasn't changed its policy, that someone on the app review team misread or misunderstood a rule, right? And so they made decisions mm-hmm. that were out of that faulty judgment, right? They made a mistake, and that mistake got pushed onto some developers, which is really crappy, but they're fixing it. Wouldn't Apple be able to fix that relatively quickly? And it's like, oh, it happened in these two apps that got reviewed in the same day, but we went to this person, let's call him John, and we said, John, no, no, like this is fine. It would be over, but it's like still kind of a thing. I just, I wonder what that process looks like internally on that team. I don't under, yes, it's like I don't understand why it can't be taken care of, right? Or like why why could there not be a meeting in the morning and they're just like we just need to confirm like how emoji works. You know what I mean? Like it, I agree with you. It's like why I don't understand why this this type of stuff can't be changed, which does lead me to believe that like there is something going on, and it's just being poorly applied. It's, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Mm. Somebody called me. Uh a socialist um because okay. I, I i argued yeah last week on the show i said you know i don't get it why such a huge corporation like apple cannot you know allow developers uh to use emoji like they would be some you know icon like iconography like a ui element and somebody basically along the lines of this is about copyright law unless you're a socialist and you think every everything should be free and uh, allowed to be used by everyone and i don't think that's my argument wow. yeah you know some people have thoughts um i don't think that's my argument i think uh, my problem is that in a way when I see developers uh, using emoji to adorn their UIs, I wonder if, in a way, that use of emoji is helping some developers who may not have the resources to, you know, hire a designer and create icons to make prettier, you know, nicer applications mm. than they would be otherwise without emoji. And so I wonder why does the corporation with 200 and plus billions in the bank go against the indie developers who's using a stock trend emoji in, in his application? Uh, I, I, I... Or, or I wonder, it, it also maybe even help with like lo- localization, Right, like if you've got to have all these different strings, 
And if your UI works in a way that emoji can explain something, that's less translation you have to do too. Like there's lots of good yeah, reasons for it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that let's abolish copyright law and allow everybody to use Apple's emoji. That is, <laughs> Down that with is the system. not my argument. My argument is that on one side, we have the huge corporation and emoji. And on the other, we have developers making applications for the Apple platform. It's not like these developers are taking the emoji and putting them on billboards in the street. They are putting them in iPhone and iPad apps and the fact that emoji on iOS are such high quality and people crave them and people want to use them Apple should be proud of that instead of going against uh, those apps and those developers that's my argument but yet we still don't know either way yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all right Let's take a break. Today's show is brought to you by Zola. Zola are reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience. From your engagement to the wedding to decorating your first home, Zola is there with compassionate customer service, modern tools, and technology. The Zola registry has everything you love about your favorite department store, plus extras like honeymoon funds, fitness classes, the ability to buy wine subscriptions for people, and so much more. They have over 500 top brands and 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds to choose from, making it easy for you and your guests. They even have top-rated apps for iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch, so so couples can manage their registries on the go. I am getting married this year. And wedding registry stuff has been an interesting part of my life. I've looked around Zola and it is an amazing service. Unfortunately, it is not available in the UK, which makes me very sad because it is awesome. It is everything that we were looking for with a wedding registry. The ability to add in things that we want people to buy for us, plus the ability to have cash funds as well for honeymoons and things like that is amazing. We did get to try it out because Zola uh, hooked me up with a credit and we were able to purchase something for ourselves. We have some lovely artwork now from Zola because you can go in and not only buy physical gifts, but you can buy gift cards and stuff like that for people that can be redeemed digitally. It's really awesome. Basically, if you are planning a wedding you know how hard and stressful and tough it can be and it's really nice to have a service like zola that can take one of these things away from you having to worry about over three hundred thousand couples have already used zola and there's good reason for it you can join them today to sign up and receive a 50 dollar credit toward your registry which is again everyone likes money at this point in their lives because this stuff's super expensive just go to Zola.com slash connected. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash connected to receive that $50 credit when you sign up. We'd like to thank Zola for their support of this show. So HomePod, it is HomePod time. They have arrived. We all have them. Federico's was lovingly brought for him from an undisclosed location through Mm. Europe and all the way Mm. over into Italy. I want to get your first impressions on it. Stephen, what is your, like, what are your kind of overall feelings about HomePod. Oh, you uh, you left off the article when you said it. That makes me sad. Yeah, I noticed when I did it. Uh, I said home. I would say about HomePod and not about the HomePod. But in that instance, that's how it fancy felt right. people talk, Mike. It's it felt fine. right. I was following the official marketing guidelines. You know, it's it's a mind mm-hmm. virus. I mean, I don't think my thoughts are particularly unique. Uh, it's it does sound good. It has, uh, I was talking to Jason Snell about this, it has a very strong philosophy about how things should sound. There's a section on yesterday's episode of Query that Serenity talks about this as well, that the HomePod has an opinion about how your music should sound. 
And for the most part, the types of music I listen to, at least, it sounds really good. But there are certain circumstances where the processing that it does is kind of weird, where like things that you think should go to the tweeters go to the sub and it gets it gets muddy or weird or whatever. But I like I like it as a speaker. I like the way that it sounds. Uh, again, for the type of music I enjoy. Um, the series stuff's not great, um, but we can get into that. Um, I did re- I did pit it against the uh, iPod Hi-Fi because I like to make as relevant as content as I can for my YouTube channel. You're the person, right? Like, that is what I expected from you. If you would have given me any other type of video, I think I would have been upset. So I did that. Uh, so you can go see how it compares to the uh, the 12-year-old iPod Hi-Fi. I had totally forgotten the iPod Hi-Fi was so close to the original iPhone launch. It feels like an eternity before the iPhone, but it really wasn't. Um, and the HomePod just blows it away. I mean, it's a lot newer, obviously, and a lot smarter. Uh, and much smaller, which is nice too. I don't, I don't think people realize how big the iPod Hi-Fi is until you see a it's picture so of it with an huge. iPod on top of it's it. Huge. Like, it's huge. It's massive. It's massive. It's massive. Um, but it was fun to compare the two. Um, uh, you know, it's it's always an experience to publish something on YouTube with a mistake in it and then get called out What'd by commenters, which is fun. Um, I complained that the power cable was not removable, but the news broke after I published it's it that it is removable. Though, really, like you could right. yank it, it is, out. It is removable. Right? Yeah. It is removable. It is not replaceable. Like it's like saying, you know, the 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 front cover, like all that foam, that's removable too if you remove it. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a two prong or three prong like thing that just plugs into it. So uh, I stand by my complaint that if you damage that cord, you're in trouble. And Apple will replace the cord for twenty nine dollars, but if you damage the HomePod itself, it's basically you just got to buy a new one. As expensive as the damage repair is. Um, so most of the comments are about that, despite me pinning a comment saying it and having it in the description. People just don't read. Uh, so it's too late. That, you said so that's, it in the video. that's pleasant. So yeah, I think that's how I feel about it. It's a good, it's a good speaker. I use Apple Music. I like, I like Apple Music, so it fits in with me in that regard. But it's not as smart as the Amazon Echo is. What do you think? Yeah, so um, I like HomePod. Um, oh no, I cannot do this. I wanted to do a full sentence without. <laughs> I, I, cannot, I cannot bring myself to this. <laughs> so I, I like it. Um, I got it a couple of days ago, and I should say that. I still haven't tried the high volume, like anything uh, above forty uh, percent, because my dogs are easily scared, and you know, by like loud bass and just high volume in general. And um, I still didn't have a good moment to just sit by myself and listen to loud music. Um, so for what I've listened to so far, at like thirty to forty percent, I think it's totally fine. It sounds really good. Um, I don't think it's mind blowing at this kind of volume. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's room filling in the way that people make it out to be. But I think it also highly depends on the kind of configuration that you have. I have a really small uh, kitchen and living room space. It's a really small room. We live in a small apartment. I don't have like the kind of front room that you have, Mike. It's really like half of that. I think um, so. Uh, I, I'm not able to appreciate how room filling it sounds because there's not in, enough room to fill. Basically, is my problem. Um, so I, uh, right now, it's it's sitting against a wall uh, behind my TV, 
because that's the only place that I have. I wanted to put it where where the echo <laughs> used to be, but it's too uh, wide for that space. So um, because it's also the space where my modem is, so there's not enough room there. Uh, I think it sounds okay. I still haven't tried the loud volume thing. I love the uh, the way that Siri talks. I think it's really you know it's a really nice voice if that makes sense. Um, and the animation on top is fine, even though I don't always see the animation because, again, it's behind the TV. So I, I only see the, the LEDs light up when I'm like washing the dishes and I turn and I talk to Siri, then I see the HomePod. Um, I think it's fine. Um, the only surprise for me was how heavy it is. Uh, it, it is, is heavier. Heavy. It's hefty. I was not expecting it to be... You know, it's compact, it's dense. Um, but mm -hmm. overall, as basically everybody has said, uh, this is what I was expecting, and it's nice. It integrates nicely with iOS and the iPhone. Um, so, I'm, you know, I replaced the Echo with it. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, it's going well so far, even though I'm not, like, uh, you know, screaming in surprise, oh, my God, this is the way that music sounds. Uh, because, as I said, my room is small and I still haven't tried high volumes. No, I was say, it gets uh, very, very loud. I turned it 200% in my studio, which is 200 square feet, and um, it it's too loud. <laughs> they, need to, they need to rein that in a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was talking about this on Upgrade. Like, I would love to have an ability to cap it so I have more range to turn it up and down because I'm really mm. keeping it like in the lower 30% of the volume and I don't really need it to go any more than that so I would like to be able to like move it more freely than I currently can um, I would say that I am more impressed by the audio than you two I feel like there's like a sliding scale between us like I love it I think it, the audio sounds amazing and again like I will say I think I said this last week like I don't have a good enough understanding for how speaker technology works, nor could I really... I mean, like, Stephen, you were talking about, like, the tweeters and stuff. Like, I couldn't even... Or, like, it gets muddy, right? Like, you used that phrase. Like, I don't know... I can't conceive what that means for speakers. Like, I don't think I have that thing where I can, like, pick out all of the different ways that something sounds, right? Like, I don't think I have that. But what I do know is that this is the best speaker that I've ever owned, and... I love the way that music sounds on it. I love the way that the spatial stuff works. Like I was listening to Hamilton and the lyrics, like the vocals, they're like closer to me than the rest of the music. And I love the way yeah. it makes that sound space. And for me, like it totally does fill the room. And I've been really impressed with that. Um, we have it located nicely in the middle of the room like it's right in the center of the room and it does a great job of filling everything and I, i've been really i've been really happy with it and i find the microphones to be very good right it picks that sort of stuff up very well um the fact that it hears any it can just hear literally anybody say the, the phrase has been uh difficult especially when trying to watch homepod review videos that's that was that was a real a real yeah, mess. Yeah, I had uh, I my video. I I set a lot of people's homepods off in my video. Um, I I ran into it when I was editing the video, um, and actually like unplugged the thing 
but it didn't cross my mind that, right, this isn't like a Hoy telephone on my iPhone where it's been trained because this is, and we're getting into the software, even though very little of it is designed as if anyone lives with any other human being ever, uh, it is designed to listen to anyone who talks to it. And uh, sorry about that. Um, it was too late to do anything about yeah. it. But I mean, um, this is the same if like people do Amazon Echo videos or whatever, but like I yeah, haven't yeah. watched a Amazon Echo video in a while. So, you know, this is what it is. Um, what do you guys think about the way that the HomePod integrates with the Home app? Mm. It feels like it's kind of just mm. nothing. I, I it, can, mm. can I go ahead, Steven? Um, yes. I think it's, I don't want to say a mess, but I think Apple should really uh, rethink the way that the home app is designed and um, make the HomePod a special uh, area or kind of widget in the in the home app. Because right now, my main problem with the home app on, on iOS is the fact that it's so easy that, to confuse things. Like, everything looks the same. Different types of accessories look like everything is a square or a rectangle. And the HomePod is just another rectangle. It doesn't have any special doesn't have any special controls like it's not like a like a mini player as i would have expected it's just a square and you tap it and you play and pause music um and the main problem with the home app is that to an extent i feel like it was sort of designed when apple wanted to demo 3d touch and tell people look how fancy we can be with all these interactions and these long presses and you navigate into into this this setting screen and you have multiple layers of the interface but in practice and especially now that i'm adding more and more homekit stuff to the to my devices i can see why people think it's confusing because everything looks the same and every control that you want to have you know um, available at your fingertips requires a long press or a 3D touch and you, to, you need to go into these nested uh, detail views. And the same is true for the HomePod. Like, for example, I was looking for the personal request setting. I was like, okay, uh, maybe I need to tap, uh, I need to 3D touch on the HomePod square and I go into the details because that's how settings work for other HomeKit devices. I can go in there and see the settings and I will find personal requests. Um, but no, it's not there. You need to tap like a narrow icon and then you need to tap your profile picture and you will find the personal request option for the HomePod. Like it's totally unintuitive. And I think the bigger picture here is that I think Apple should redesign the Home app and for the HomePod, which is a special device because it's made by Apple, there should be an interactive kind of control or widget in the home app that sort of mimics what you would see in control center which is another problem the way that you need to navigate multiple audio output devices in control center but i would say that i think it's confusing the way that it works right now and there should be a better a new interface that makes each device unique like a motion sensor and a light switch and the home pod all look the same right now in the home app and i don't think that is good design you mentioned the personal requests are you like this is the thing where it's named so peculiarly anyway this is the thing where you can have your messages reminders and notes definitely not calendar what are you crazy <laughs> why would you want calendar integration definitely don't have that but the three things that it does do um, Apple warns you when you're setting it up, right? Yeah. As we were talking about last week, because 
this you may basically anyone can read your messages if your phone if your phone is in the on the same wi-fi network are you going to leave that on I I have left it on because uh, for two reasons. Uh, one of them, which you know, I I don't have secrets. I talk. I don't talk to a lot of people on iMessage. I basically talk to you guys, my parents, and my girlfriend. And like, if somebody, uh, it's extremely rare that someone is home and I'm not. Um, but it, if one of my friends would come to my house and talk to my HomePod. They would have to worry about my reaction, not you know, <laughs> like I wouldn't allow people to talk to the HomePod. Uh, also, the fact that I live in Italy, like it, it's not normal for my friends to come over and start talking in English to my HomePod. And finally, Sylvia couldn't be bothered to interact with the HomePod and Siri. Like she doesn't care, she doesn't like it. She thinks I'm crazy with all these assistants and these voice controls. So I'm in a unique position that all the people I care about do not talk in English and do not care about the technology that I use. So a uh, personal request is, is not a problem for me. I've left it on because I turned it on and then mostly forgot about it. <laughs> because I'm not saying that that's the right thing for everyone to do, but like the HomePod doesn't alert you when you have a message, right? So really it is the case of somebody coming into my house and asking for the HomePod to read my messages because I kind of don't care if Adina could do it. Like, I understand. Like, I really get it. Like, trust me, I 100% get it. Like, if that's not a thing that you want in your home with your family or whomever for, like, whatever reason, like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Just everyone's different, right? Like, in the same way that, like, some people share their passcodes and stuff like that. And, like, some people are private, some people are not private. Like, it's your own personal circumstances. But for me, it's not something that I worry about but it's also not something that I really think I'm ever going to use because like I have devices surrounding me at all times, <laughs> which have my notifications on them. Um, so I don't think I'm really going to use this feature, but it's there. And I think that Apple should do something to try and make it authenticated in some at least minimal way by voice. Right. So trying to recognize different voices. I think it's an yeah. oversight, but um it's fine that it i mean my honestly my biggest annoyance is the fact that it can't even look at my yeah. calendar like that is mind-boggling to me i'm more annoyed about that than i am the personal requests yeah. thing in i, I want to say though because i think it sounded like i was sort of down on the home pod um i think i absolutely love the fact that i have like a like an echo with siri in the sense that i have this siri device um that it's in my living room slash kitchen like even even though i haven't been able to fully absorb the sound because of the especially because of the dogs because they're really scared by loud music um I love the fact that I can uh, control HomeKit devices, like native devices that I have, accessories that I have uh, installed in my house, and I can also control on iOS. And the fact that I can easily ask to play music from my Apple Music account. Um, I, I absolutely love the fact that Siri is now like this presence in my living room, but I'm keeping an asterisk on sound quality uh, about, you know, um, for when I will be able to, maybe tonight, I don't know, when I will be able to test the, the actual full volume. That I wanted to specify that because, you know, then it's going to become a meme that Federico is against the home pod. And 
I'm just going to say, like, I recommend don't test the full volume at night. It's bad. Ah, uh, you mean for the neighbors? To te- ah, there's, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a. Federico, it's really I, loud. Like, it's I would really only do it for loud. like 10 seconds, not like. Okay, but. Two hours. Just, I mean, go for it, right? Even test it for 10 seconds. Your neighbors are going to notice. It's just, it's well, all I will. Like, so people are going to dispute know. To, there's uh, a dispute a with, the, with the guy downstairs anyway, so it's it's good to establish, you know, who's uh, who's got the loudest speaker. Who's loudest? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Siri, right? I mean, I'll say just super quick, because it's not really worth going into the HomePod, the HomeKit stuff that I've used works i can turn my lights on and off like it works right same way that it works with my phone it's fine let's talk about siri so research firm loop ventures this is uh gene Munster's firm so uh, they tested some responses across all smart speakers so like they got a cortana speaker that was in like a Harman Kardon thing they have uh an amazon echo uh google home and the home pod they tested it in a bunch of categories. I'll put links in the show notes so you can go and read it. But the top line is that Google Home came out top in everything. Um, and HomePod only did better than last place in two categories. One of them called local, which is, for example, where can I find a cup of coffee? So like asking uh, about like local services. And another is commerce. So they used an example of like, help me buy some shoes. I don't really know what the HomePod can do in this area, but apparently it did a good job. Um, overall, Siri on the HomePod understood 99.4% of queries, but only answered 52% of them correctly. This puts Siri at the bottom overall for AI assistant performance. Hmm. What do we think of that? It doesn't look good. I mean, I know that it, it in theory, Apple would say, right, that like it doesn't, it doesn't, su- HomePod doesn't support all of the things that these other right. services support, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. why it couldn't answer the questions. But I don't think that that is an excuse, though, right? Like I feel like it probably should. There's do this. two takeaways from this. I think one is that Google is obviously ahead of everybody here. Um, yep. Which you would expect, I think, for, like, take a question, answer a question. Google should always be ahead. The fact that the HomePod and Siri are behind because they do not compete in some domains is not an excuse. That's exactly the problem, that SiriKit should be expanded to support more domains. And it's been, what, like, two years of SiriKit, and we're still limited to, like six or seven domains maybe more but there's a couple that i would i would really be surprised if more than a million people use some of the more specific circuit domains on a monthly basis um so i think the fact that the homepod does pretty good with siri in the domains where it can compete and it's it you know it cannot compete in others that's exactly the problem like uh siri is mostly okay when it works and uh, it means that the Google intelligence is still ahead and the domains must be expanded. So um, I wonder... Well, let's talk about SiriKit not working, mm, right? Mm. <laughs> um, I had not a good experience trying to use even the limited set of SiriKit functionality available on the HomePod. Like, um, I tried to add things to Todoist and things, 
it couldn't even understand me asking. And what I think the problem is, is I may not have been asking in the exact wording that Siri expects, but I also don't think that I should have to have exact wording, really. Um, I tried to send an, a message of airmail. It was like a long process of going through all the different Federico Vatixis that were in my uh, in my contacts as Siri likes to call you. I don't know if you're aware of that, Federico, but Vitixi, yeah. Siri likes to call you Federico yeah, I Vitixi. Know, I know. Um, it then resulted in there's a problem with this app was the what I got at the end of it after going through the whole process. Then I tried to use WhatsApp and WhatsApp gave me an error three times in a row. The associated, well, the HomePod did while trying to use WhatsApp. The associated iOS device must connect to the network first. Like, but it was 100% <laughs> connected to the network. So, I think that SiriKit, even in its limited function, is not working very well at all on the HomePod. Would you agree, Federico? Um, I can tell you that it doesn't work for me at all uh, because I, I'm on okay. the 11.3 beta and uh, every single SiriKit circuit request to third-party apps it says that i need an app uh, an app installed on my phone and i do have the app installed on my phone but it doesn't work and so i asked on twitter a bunch of people told me yeah i see the same issue i'm also on 11.3 beta it works fine on other devices on 11.2.5 so i yeah it doesn't work for me at all i hope that in the future uh this will be resolved and that it will not be a thing like if you have a beta on your iPhone then the HomePod will be limited because that will be annoying yeah I I would really like to see them do a better job with this just in general like the Siri kit stuff was underwhelming to begin with just based upon what it can actually support especially Mm -hmm. when you enter situations like now that you have a HomePod if you ever say the hello to Siri phrase if it's a Siri kit function that it can't process, the HomePod will take the request because it always seems to dominate the trigger word, right? Like it takes all requests. And if you say ask to order a Lyft or an Uber or something, it will just tell you I can't do that. And then that's the end of your experience, which I think is pretty bad. So like it already kind of screwed up there initially and then it just kind of got a little bit, just just a bit worse by not even doing a good job of what it can support so yeah not not great overall yeah that's something that amazon does really well like if you ask the echo something and it can't do it or it needs to show you something it says oh hey open the app and it's there but apple guys breaking news apple owns both the homepod and the iphone tech like it's the same the same group of people uh they could service that stuff on the lock screen like there's so much more they could do the HomePod is really well integrated with Apple Music, but it feels like an island when it comes to everything else. And that's just really, really frustrating from a company that says that its strength is like hardware, software, and services all working together. That's just not, this is not true in this case. Honestly, I think there should just be like circuit in iCloud. There should be like an API for developers who have web services uh, to integrate with Siri. But this is the problem. This is the problem with the privacy stuff. This is the the privacy angle that Apple going down is restricting them here, right? Because they're doing it all on device. If it's not well, going to work on device, it's not going to work. What are they doing work. on device? Because it, it, there's there must be a way, the same way that they do CloudKit, for example. Um, there, there ha- 
Well, but then why haven't they? I mean, like, I agree with you, right? Like, it, it makes sense. But, like, surely some the Siri kit is not working in the yeah. cloud because otherwise I, I it would be a, able to order a lot. I think a lot me, of people right? are, are using, not you, but this is an argument that I see on Twitter. Um, a lot of people use privacy as an excuse for, I don't want to say technical incompetence, but lack of huh. l- la- well, you know what though but that's a good thing though isn't it like me saying oh it's it's because of privacy mm-hmm. covers up some other issues i did just think actually stuff like ordering a ride sharing might need a screen or like apple's designed it to need a screen and that's the problem reason that home yeah, but i do it, wonder potentially which is weird because amazon can do it without a screen like it's right people i mean are doing this it's possible to do but i mean like apple's decided implementation which again they could change but they, they haven't, especially when you would assume that when they created the Siri kit for ride sharing, they knew that the HomePod was going to be coming. So it is all very confusing. I, I, can I can I talk about timers for a minute, just for one minute? Mm-hmm. Please. We can set a one minute timer on it because I've mentioned timers a bunch, like the fact that you can't set timers and people keep trying to send me workarounds for it. So let me just explain my situation. I set timers when I cook. I set multiple timers when I cook because I I cook meals that have multiple parts to them, right? You've got the potatoes going, you've got steak going, whatever. You, you're making a gravy, you need timers. And that's how I like to cook. I have timers. And, and I ask my Echo for these timers. And I like multiple timers with names. So I can say like a 10-minute potato timer, three-minute steak timer, right? Alarms don't work for me. People said, oh, why don't you just set alarms? And the home app can set alarms because I want to be able to check how long I have left on a timer, which you can't do for an alarm, right? So there are times where I want to say, how long is left on this? So I know whether I should start something else. Alarms don't work that way. Um, And I don't want an app, any app, whether it's the home app or the clock app, to be filling up with endless entries that just say potatoes and rice on them. Like, I just don't want that because that is a bad workaround for something that is a very basic task, Apple's competitors seem to have no issue with. Like, it doesn't seem very difficult to be able to set multiple timers and then to also name them. Like, it, it, I was complaining about the Amazon Echo when it didn't have nameable timers for a long time because Google did. And now the Amazon Echo has it. I really think that this should have just been... This should just be something that iOS supports. Your timer is done, Mike. Thank you. Was that an actual time? Was that yes. sound? So there you go. I've said I took my minute, and uh, that's that. Um, I want to ask you both uh, about damage to wooden services. Services. Surfaces. Sur- sur- we- wooden web go. services. Surfaces. Mm. Damage to wooden web, sur- web services. I can't talk. Somebody else do this. I'm done. I'm leaving. So there's a paragraph in the wire cutter review of the HomePod that this reviewer, and it turns out a lot of the people are discovering it too. That the HomePod will leave a, a ring on some wooden surfaces. So in my office, the desk that it's on is like untreated pine. So there's no stain to it. It's just raw wood. It has not stained that. But our friend John at Mac Stories has stains on a piece of furniture um, that, you know, is, is coated somehow. So it's not it's not great. You know, Apple touted that they tested this thing in a bunch of employees' houses, which is like a thing we're just going to just accept as it's normal and fine. Uh, but this didn't get caught and it, it, it really sort of, it really sort of blows my mind. This feels like, um, the perfect example of many recent Apple PR 
debacles in the sense that they must have known that on some type of wooden surface it will leave you know the silicone the the, the material would leave uh, uh you know uh, the kind of ring sign uh, but they just didn't tell people beforehand. They waited until somebody caught it. And because this device has been mm-hmm. in, in Apple employees' uh, homes for like a couple of years, at least. Let's say just one year, though. And, I mean, well, nobody has a, has a brown or black or gray piece of wooden furniture. I mean, I would strongly doubt that, you know, none of the Apple employees go to Ikea and pick up one of those, you know, uh, dark gray cabinets that everybody has. Um, but in, rather than telling people, you know, on the little instruction manual, like, look, it's silicon, and it might leave a uh, ring on your, you know, uh, on your furniture... And I assume that what's happening is the vibrations yeah, whatever, are leaving, is what's Whatever the, the mark, reason, right? because it's happening to a bunch of people. It's happening to me in Italy. It's happening to John in Chicago. It's happening to the wire cutter person, whatever they live. Uh, so it's not like a single isolated case in Rome, Italy, or in Chicago, United States. Um, like, it's a thing. So just tell people. Just put a notice in the little instruction manual. Do not wait. Like, it's it's okay. I will put a coaster uh, below it. It's fine. But tell me. Do not wait until you get caught. Yeah, tell me so I can do it, right? Like It's, it's fine. You know. It's I understand that placing objects on, on furniture may leave, uh, you know, a, that kind of sign. But tell me beforehand, I'm giving you $349. You can put a little sentence in your instruction manual. Nobody would be upset. Instead, you make it a thing by not being proactive. And that's, that I see a parallel there with the battery stuff and with all the other problems that we've seen with Apple PR, especially in the past year. Do not wait until some publication discovers this problem. It only takes a few days anyway. And then you you got to spin the narrative back in your control. Um, that seems counterproductive to me. I agree with everything you just said. Like, I don't have it. It's on a white surface for me. But I did have it on, like, a, a walnut TV cabinet. And I would have been really mad if it would have left a, a mark on that because I really like that piece of furniture. Um, but, it, you know it's silly it if the you know you've, you've got to assume that they did know about it and if they didn't then like that's not enough testing of a device that you've been in development for six years right like it's like come on like you apple make this stuff for years they've made this stuff like things that go on other surfaces i don't know it seems it's silly it's really silly because then it becomes a big mm-hmm. story right like then it becomes a big thing because it's apple and if you can now there's going to be right like you're going to go on facebook and there's yep. going to be a bunch of articles yep. that are like the big floor <laughs> in the home pod right like the thing apple doesn't want you to know cover up like silicone <laughs> destroys child like it's gonna you know it's gonna be everywhere now and it's like i don't understand your pr strategy nope. if you let this stuff right. happen to yep. you anyway so there we go I yeah I I do wonder you know how how it happened. There's a funny tweet saying that none of Apple's press release photos have the HomePod on a wood surface, which just cracks me up. But yeah, I I do wonder that that they think about this in like a proactive way versus a reactive way. Like you said, it's not now they don't control it, and um, you know at the end of the day, this is not a necessarily a huge deal until someone puts it on like some antique piece of furniture that their great grandmother 
brought over. You know, like, I mean, it's like someone's going to have something expensive ruined and then it's going to be bad and sad for that person. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. It's not what I expected to be talking about today when I woke up. <laughs> I yeah, didn't think I like this would be the story. Like some, some things from Apple that are just like, oh, just retreat the surface. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Great, great. Um, so I would say, um, in case there's any question, I'm keeping my HomePod because I love it. It's the best speaker I've ever owned, and I love listening Wait, to music so you've, on it. You've it's gone awesome. from not wanting to buy the HomePod to being skeptical. So here's the thing: I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. You guys are both a bit like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, and you were looking forward to it. I didn't want it, right? So I had no expectations. I had none. So all it needed to do was be barely passable, and it was going to surpass what I want, like my expectation from it. Right, like everything I thought about the HomePod that would be bad is bad, and I didn't know just how good the audio was going to be. So it's better than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I just want to say I'm super. I'm super low. happy. My Echo is gone. Like we removed all the the, the Echo stuff. We're just using. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, huh. I was trying to tell you, I I love the HomePod. I'm not blown away like some people make it out to be by this audio at forty percent, but I love it. It works f- very well. It's it's a fine product, you know. Despite the ring on my furniture that I hope Silver doesn't notice, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Is it able to do everything from like an audio perspective that your Echo was doing for it, you, like all the skills it, and all that sort of stuff it, taken it, care of? It hears me better than the echo and because i'm not using like to do list anymore um like that's not a that's not a problem and in fact i could argue that it's even better in terms of like music playback because uh silvia and i share many playlists on apple music so there's an easier way to shuffle those playlists for example like the sentence is shorter and i can play silvia's own playlists that i have on apple music but i don't i don't have on spotify and um I want to wait until the 11.3 beta gets the Siri kit uh, fix so I can also use Things or, uh, you know, other other apps that I have with Siri integration. So it's, an, you know... Well, I mean, you're assuming that it is a problem. Oh, yes, I am though, assuming right? like, that, yes. <laughs> I'm not on 11.3 Federico. it doesn't work. And I'm having all those problems. I'm at, I'm on eleven two five, well, and it's maybe not working. In a, in a in a distant future, it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> in another timeline, that, yeah. And that's sort of like the. Um, I mean, I, I I'm gonna keep it. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna replace the echo in our kitchen. That's where the, our HomePod is right now, uh, making my family live with it for a while. Because everything but the timers, it does. It may just do them worse than the the echo did but it sounds really good and maybe that's a trade-off because we use ours for music a lot i just think this is a very interesting product because the hardware other than this um destroying antique pieces of furniture business is like really solid like it sounds really good it looks really nice i've got the white one i think everyone else that i know got the space gray one but i think both Mm -hmm. look both look nice um all that is like a, a win but it sort of folds into the narrative that we have of Apple software is sort of a dollar short and a day late on a lot of things. And I think the line of, well, it's been in development for six years or however long, eight years, a hundred years. And so it was never really designed to compete with voice assistants. Like that's like too bad. It does. Like a person who wants to spend between 200 and $500 on a speaker, they're all going to have some sort of voice assistant at this point. When you compare this to 
the Google Home Max or the Sonos One or you know the Sonos Play Five. This doesn't hold up on the voice assistant end of things. And and Apple waving its hand saying, no, no, it's a speaker and we just threw this stuff in. Like that's like, I just don't buy it. Like that's, you can say what you want to say. You can repeat what Apple PR says. And I understand their point of view, right? Because they want to compete on, it sounds really good. And from that perspective, they seem, from people who have listened to a bunch of these things, seem to be doing very well. But the fact is, it is a voice and a you know is a voice assistant in a canister, and people are going to judge it against what Amazon and Google are doing, and there Apple is behind. And you can't have your cake and eat it. Right, right. You can't just be like, oh, we put Siri in it, but like, don't compare us. Don't compare it to other things because we really didn't do it. Blah blah blah. Like that's just it. Just doesn't. It was an accident. Siri fell it's into just, it. Yeah, the it, it, the top was open and Siri was <laughs> drunk. It's like, like going to yeah, it's like going to a marathon dressed up like an athlete, but saying, "No, I'm not running in the marathon. I'm just here. I'm just chilling. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> just standing by." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that's totally what it's like, and and I I find that narrative extremely frustrating because like we can let products compete for what they are, and it's okay if Apple doesn't always win these competitions, but some people can't stomach that. Um, but to answer your question before I went off on that rant, we're going to keep ours. Uh, I don't know where it will live in our lives. You know, this may end up that we keep the echo in the kitchen and maybe this is in the living room just like for music. You know, I, I don't really know, but it does everything my echo did for us. I don't have a lot of custom stuff, uh, a lot of third party skills on my echo. Most of it is home stuff. And since my very first smart plug I put in my house a couple years ago, the only things I've added work with both Amazon and HomeKit. Like I've done that very much on purpose with an eye, you know, cut towards today where the HomePod is a thing. So we'll see how it goes. I think this is a product we have to live with. I think we have to let Apple live with it. I think we have to let Apple work on it and improve it. But I'm telling you guys, like if, if we're here in a year and oh, oh man, it if, still... If we're... <laughs> okay. If the world still exists oh, okay. in a year and the HomePod is still basically what it is today, like if they're not aggressively updating this thing in the near future, then I think they've missed the boat. Yeah. I'm willing to give them a little ground now, but like, and this is just riding off AirPlay 2 and multi-room stuff, which they've failed to ship. But th- things like calendar support, like if you turn on personal requests, it can't see your calendar. Like that's just so bad. Um, so I think they've got to get on the ball with evolving it. And I think that's going to be the story of the HomePod moving forward is, okay, at launch, like it sounds really good, but it's not a great smart assistant. Can, can they actually improve that? And, and, and is it going to be a, every year at WWC, the HomePod gets better, like too late for that Apple. Like they've got to be on the ball updating this on a regular basis. All right, let's take a break and thank our second sponsor for this week, which is the fine folk over at Anchor. Anchor is the fastest and easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a thing that you want to say, you have opinions that you want to get out into the world, maybe you want to share your story of the HomePod leaving a ring on your kitchen countertop. All you need to do is download the Anchor app from the App Store, set it up. You don't need a mobile recording rig. You just take your phone, you put it to your ear, you talk into it. Then Anchor takes care of the rest. It is super simple 
very nicely done. There's a bunch of great tools. You can add music in. You can even you can add call-ins. I'm going to talk about those in a minute. There's so much cool stuff. It can create little transcripts for you of the things that you're speaking about, so you can share them on social media. The app is really, really sweet. Anchor is also a cool social network. You can follow people, call into stations, leave questions, and listen to some of your favorite people share their thoughts with you right from within the app. It's very easy to do. Um, I've been using Anchor a bunch recently to do some uh, AMA stuff. So if you go to anchor.fm slash Mike Hurley, that is A-N-C-H-O-R.fm slash Mike Hurley, you can find out more about Anchor itself and you can follow me there as well. And you can sign up and if you call into my station, you can leave me an audio message and I'll play back some of the best ones and give my answers to your questions. I've been really enjoying doing this over the last few weeks. So go and sign up and uh, try it out. The, the application itself is really nicely made. I love the fact that there's emoji all over the place. It's super cool. So go to anchor.fm slash Mike Hurley to check it out and leave me an AMA question. Anchor are a really cool company. They're doing some awesome stuff. And uh, keep your eye out for that. They're, they're, they're doing some pretty sweet stuff right now. Our thanks to Anchor for their support of this show. Good old Mark Gurman's back with an interesting report. Um, this one is very... Old school Mark mm. Gurman, full of tons of little details. And it's a solo byline. It's not the hand-holding Bloomberg has had to do for him for so long. Remember, it was always like, people familiar with the matter may say, or like, we believe, like, this is like old school Gurman. It's a little bit more, yeah. And I, I would assume that this might be part of the fact he got promoted recently, right? He, he's taken over the, the, the beat, I think, in, in most, basically all of it. Anyway, so... I'm going to read some of the stuff to you. We're going to stop and talk about it um, where we want to. So Gurman is further reporting that Apple will be debuting new features for iOS 12, but the main focus will be on stability, which is stuff that's been spoken about over the last couple of weeks. But what's new in this report is he's actually talking about what's in and what's out for iOS 12. So he talks about Project Marzipan again. This is the idea that apps will be able to work on macOS and iOS, right? So which is probably going to be, I think, the way that we are expecting it is that iOS apps can work on the Mac, right? Like that's the way it's going to go around is how we're expecting it. Um, this feels like it's going to be the big thing at WWDC, right? Like this... This feels like one of the reasons they might be able to hold back on some iOS 12 stuff is because they're going to debut this crazy new way of developing applications. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I assume that and will be... it would be Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, like everybody will be talking about that. Like I, Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can already imagine the frenzied conversations I will have with developers afterwards, right? Like, I, I can imagine how people will just be going like, oh, imagine all the new things I can do, right? Like, people, I think, are going to be really excited about it. And for the developer conference, would totally just knock everything out of the park, right? No matter what they would debut in iOS 12, if they're debuting this as well, everything else will get forgotten about, right? Because this will be a huge change, good and bad. There are a lot of ramifications with it. Um, digital health tool is something that will be coming to iOS 12. Basically, this is an application that will allow for parents to monitor how much children use their devices. This I've been mostly ignoring a lot of the stuff around this recently because it, I just kind of don't care about it. But like, there's a lot of hand-wringing about how much children should be able to use devices. Yeah. Stephen, 
I'm assuming that of all of us, you are the one who has followed this news the closest because you actually have kids. It's true. Uh, or like it, it rings true to you in some way. Um, what is your thinking around this? Yeah, so the story has been, you know, Apple has been approached by people saying, you know, they you need better management tools for this. And like already, like as an aside, iOS and macOS to a lesser degree, but iOS in particular has really good parental controls already. Like you can really lock down an iPhone or an iPad or an iPod Touch uh, for use by kids. Um, and they say they're going to improve that, which is great. They should be improving it all the time. And they, they have been uh, on a pretty regular basis. Those tools get easier to use and, and easier to manage it, but more powerful. So I think Apple's done a better job than anyone else already. The idea that I need... I'm going to try to choose my words very carefully. That I need help monitoring how much my kids are using their devices. Like, I... I don't think I personally need that, but I recognize that my kids are still pretty young and that they don't have access to a device um, without my wife or I handing it to them. Like they don't have their own phones. Uh, We have a couple iPad minis, but, you know, we can, you know, if they're using it, it's because I've handed it to them. Um, However, just because I don't necessarily feel like I need this tool doesn't mean it's not important. I think there are a lot of kids who do have their own devices or, uh, ha- or you know, have a situation where they have more alone time than my kids have. You know, um, uh, I work at home and my wife stays at home. It's like, we're always around. <laughs> um, and a lot of kids, including myself growing up, had a lot more um, parent-free time after school and stuff. And so I think it's good. I think it's a good addition to iOS. I think they've proven that they can write these sorts of tools in a way that you don't have to be a tech podcaster or writer to understand how to use them, right? Like I've got, I mean, a lot of my friends locally have kids as well. And we talk about this sort of stuff and all of them are using this and they've all done it without me helping them. You know, they've, they've figured it out on their own because Apple has done a good job at laying these tools out. So I assume that this will be a similar type thing um, where it's easy to maintain and, you know, maybe they're going to have, some remote access stuff. Like one thing I would really like to see in this is if you're using iCloud family sharing that give me the parent that as the parent or as a parent in the iCloud family, let me do some of this stuff remotely. Right. So if I, you know, if my kid isn't at home and they need access to something that they can ask and, and I can grant it just how they do with purchases and in that purchases now, like build on that and make this more of an interactive tool where I don't set it and forget it, but I have an opportunity to dialogue with my children about it. So um, for me personally, I don't feel like I need it at this point. I probably will in the future, but I think a lot of families do want this. And uh, so I think it's good that Apple's addressing it. I hope that digital health is just a term that Mark Gurman is using. not a great name. I don't yeah. like it I, because I don't like the implications in a, in a name like that, like that it yeah. is unhealthy. No, I think it's just like going to be – inherently unhealthy. Yeah. I, I just see this being another another top-level category in parental controls. Like I don't think this gets its own brand. Yeah. I think it's just he has to call it something. I don't think this is like a, sure. a thing like with a marketing We're name. We're just going to call it screen time with a, you know with its whole one word. and Camel case? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? That is probably what they would... Like, if they're going to do some kind of limiting stuff or allow you to, as you say, like to have some kind of remote access, screen time would probably what they call it. Uh, an emoji, uh, more characters, better navigation, whatever mm. that means. I don't, I don't 100% know what that means. Like, redesign of the messages app. Honestly, I hope it means breaking it out a little bit more. Yeah. 
I like this. It, it felt like a throwaway line, and I was like, my brain exploded. And then he explained it. Like, so Mark Gurman says they will come to the iPad, and I was like, what? How? And then follows it up with apparently Apple was working on new hardware with Face ID. So my my question. If at WWDC they announced that they're coming to the iPad, will we probably see new iPads at WWDC? That's the hope. Uh, Like, you can't say Face ID is coming to the iPad without confirming. Well, it could be one of those things where people, you know, Steve Trout Smith spelunks and finds it in iOS 12, and then we see iPads in the fall. Of course. That I mean, that is of course that's how it goes a way it could happen. (laughs) But what I mean is, they can't on stage say it's coming to the iPad without like because what they would say is it's coming to our new iPad in the fall, which they probably announced at some point during the presentation. I mean, maybe Um, and one that I am very excited about and like a real good logical step next step for it is to integrate it into FaceTime, which is awesome that that will be so much fun mm-hmm. but i'm concerned my phone will turn into just a ball of flame so you say that are you using an emoji now like when's the last time you sent one i send them every now and then but like when's the last time you facetime video chatted with somebody uh whenever oh, i that travel has to be pretty frequent yeah yeah whenever whenever i travel i facetime yeah, that's video the only time i ever use Adina. it and you do it but like it's it's a great I mean I don't know like if you're on a fa- if so here's my thinking on this right why I think this would be fun I'm not going to use it that much but I will use it right but if you are on a video call with someone just looking at each other's faces over like half an hour if you're going to do a call like that like there's not a lot going on it might be fun to like be a panda for 20 seconds right like I don't know it feels like a nice addition to it and emoji is mostly a selling tool like of the device. And so anything you can do there is good. I like playing around with it every now and then. I send maybe one a month, right? Like video or sticker. But that works fine for me. There are there are still an emoji that if they added I would use more. So like the nerd face emoji is my emoji of choice. If I could use that as an an emoji, I would use that basically every time instead of using the nerd emoji, mm-hmm. right? Like in messages. I would make my own face as the nerd emoji and use that. I don't know. But Animoji is what it is. It is like a fun little tech demo for the iPhone 10, um, and it will be for the iPad. I think they should continue expanding it because it's got a lot of brand cachet mm-hmm. for them now. Because it's also it's theirs. That's Apple's. You know, we talked about Emoji earlier, right? Animoji is Apple's. And you're going to see Android device makers trying to do My this. My question is if we get Face ID on the iPad, how does it work? In the sense, do we get one true depth uh, camera system that works in both orientations and it's got like a wider angle? Yes. Or do we get two cameras, one on each side? No, one. I think it's I one. I think it's one camera and they've worked out how to do it because two cameras is terrible because then don't yeah, you need four? I think it's one. I think it's one and it's got a wider right. angle you, you, and it works in landscape. Yeah, it has to be one or it's four, right? Because you'd need one on every single side. So all orientations, you have to affix the orientation problem. So, which I expect that they will have. A new stocks app. Don't understand why. Bitcoin, why man. Don't you want to check the bitcoins? <laughs> that was the only <laughs> thing I was thinking about, right? And I was expecting Mark to say it, but adding cryptocurrency support to the stocks app is the only thing that I can assume they're doing because why would you it's, make a it's new pretty stock iOS seventy in there? I don't know. Yeah, but like, who's using it? 
that really needs it. Like, don't you just get a good don't app? Shoot, like, I figure stocks? It's, it's it's for cryptocurrency. It's cryptocurrency. It's got to be, man. Like, it's <laughs> got to be. In Silicon Valley, of course, they're all yeah. trading cryptocurrency, right? Like, it'll, it'll be sad when all that goes away. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see. Um, more options to do not disturb. Great. Good. I want those. Yes. I don't know what they are. I don't care. I just want them. Uh, multiplayer AR games is interesting. I don't really know what that would look like yet. I guess multiple devices all sharing in a space and there's a dinosaur. You know, like that could be cool, right? Like multiple. I've got it. We do you remember mm-hmm. 2013? They had the car racing demo that opened WDC. Do we all remember this? Anki Drive. What if for 2018, to celebrate the five year anniversary of whatever that was, uh, it's just some people on stage with iPads mm. pointing them at the floor, and the cars are now inside the AR app. What if I'm gonna double that? What if there's people on stage, the same people from five years ago, and in AR they relive that demo fail on stage? They look at the old demo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go in a different direction with my what if. Okay. What if? The multiplayer AR is built into the stocks app, and we can all simultaneously look at how Bitcoin is crashing that's and just walk around the chart ourselves. That's really good. That's really sad. So there's many options here. And also uh, the, the last thing that Mark reports as a feature for iOS 12 is deeper integration for Siri and search. I mean, okay, so is this Siri in Spotlight, which means you can text to Siri? That sounds like it. I know that you like that. I know you want that. You've set up your whole Rube Goldberg mm-hmm. machine to get that mm-hmm. working. Uh, uh, yeah, so that, uh, that's iOS 12, I guess, at, at in, what a, in point, a nutshell, what we know. At what point, to back up a second, at what point does Spotlight just become Siri search? Yeah. Like, yeah. now, like, yeah. I feel like now it yeah. should the be. The only difference is I type to one and speak to the other, and that's a stupid distinction. Like, it just, it feels like, like, even on the Mac, like, in my upper right-hand corner, I've got my username, I have a little spotlight, magnifying glass, I have a little Siri thing. Like Those really should just be one thing, and it feels like they're pushing towards that, so maybe that's what this is. Maybe it is just kind of becoming one. Yeah, I feel like that has to happen eventually, because especially when type to Siri exists, because type like then what's the difference, right? Like It just gets so messy, and spotlight... Spotlight is not a brand that needs to exist anymore, right? Siri is a stronger brand. You may as well just switch it over to the other one. Yeah. All right, so as well as this, as well as the stuff that is in, Mark Gurman reported on the stuff that is out for iOS 12 to move on to another year and also talking about the new kind of... uh, new idea what apple is trying to do here what they're trying to achieve with this uh, but before we get to that let me talk to you about SaneBox. i bet that every person listening to this show not only receives a lot of email but has something that they don't like about it that's why you need to try SaneBox. it would be amazing if there was just an easy way for all email to be dealt with individually but it can't be because all email looks the same there is stuff that will arrive in your inbox that looks the same as important stuff bad stuff good stuff it all just arrives in one big pipe one big mess wouldn't it be wonderful if something could just get in between all of that and sort it for you imagine that wonderful world 
This is what Sandbox does for you. Sandbox will sort through your email and move trivial stuff to different folders. So the only messages that are in your inbox are the ones that you need and the ones that you want. And this all works seamlessly with your current system with any application. One of my favorite features about Sandbox is called the black hole. Something happened in my life a few years ago in that my email address seems to be on lists. Lists that I can't get away from. Lists that I can't unsubscribe to because my email address is somehow being shared with PR people and there's nothing that I can do about it. What happens is people email me and then they'll email me about six more times over the course of two weeks to make sure that I got the previous email. Now, with Samebox, I drag that person to the black hole and I will never receive an email from them ever again. It is wonderful. I love it. Uh, Samebox will also let you set up email reminders. It will let you snooze your email and even just do things like sorting out newsletters into one folder for you. So you can just come to them at your own like, I have a bunch of newsletters that I subscribe to, but I tend to read that stuff on the weekend. And sometimes if it arrives in the week, then I might archive it because I've got 20,000 emails in my inbox. But now with Sandbox, it just goes into a folder for me and I can pick it up when I need it. It's really awesome. To help you get a little more organization in your inbox, we've worked with Sandbox to get you a great deal. Just go to sandbox.com connected and you'll get a two-week free trial and a $25 credit just because you listen to this show. That is Sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash connected. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. You don't need to enter any credit card information unless you try decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. Again, that is Sanebox.com slash connected. Okay, so as well as the things that are in iOS 12, these are some of the things that have been moved. Uh, a redesigned home screen. So that is probably going to go out for iOS 13, probably. Uh, redesigned CarPlay, revamped Photos app, and big enhancements for the iPad will not occur until 2019. Some of these include the ability to run several windows in one application in a tab structure like on macOS, um, or to have two screens of the same app side by side, and also new Apple Pencil features. Federico, what do you think about the fact that we may not see iPad features until 2019? Well, I think we... This I was sort of expecting it, and I'm sad. But yeah. if it, if it's you know the kind of year that we just need to wait and you know cross our fingers because the it means that iOS will be more stable, will be faster, will be like a better experience for everybody. We can we can suffer through this together, I think, and it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be better next year. I think it's necessary. You know, it's at this point I would I wouldn't want to to like this is not ideal for me. This is not what I wanted, but I also want to see you know people not be upset with iOS 11 <laughs> with bugs and with crashes and with UI glitches. So I don't like it. I'm not happy. But I will be if Apple's strategy works out. So, I'm, what can I say? I'm 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 not ecstatic about this, Mike. Um, but if it means that you know in 2019 everybody's happier and uh, the uh, every iPad works better and is faster, then so be it. That's my <laughs> takeaway, I guess. I mean, yeah. So here's my thinking on this. I was pretty much already expecting that like big ipad features were going to come every two years now because that's kind of been a tr it's not a trend like it happened 
once and then there was two years and it happened again. And my expectation would be that that's what we would see. And I don't mind this so much as long as the features get revised upon and fixed where they need to be fixed because that didn't really happen in 10. So I hope that in iOS 12, there are bug fixes and revisions to the stuff that was introduced in 11. It also doesn't bother me if the version of iOS that comes next brings with it features that are useful on the iPad as well. I feel like iOS... 10 didn't really have much in it anyway for anyone it it wasn't actually an incredibly exciting release um for you know like it had messages stuff like that was kind of it really like it wasn't it wasn't a really big ios release so as long as the features that we get and it looks like some of that stuff would have you know good implications for the ipad but the thing that makes me the most excited and one of the reasons that i'm not concerned about this is the implication of this ios and mac cross-platform development stuff could be really freaking good for the Mm -hmm. ipad because the types of interfaces that will work best on the mac are bigger screen interfaces so i i believe that if people adopt this the ipad will get stronger ipad software will get stronger because there will be two types of devices that these applications will work well on the ipad and the mac and I think that if this is embraced by the community, it will be good for the iPad. Uh, especially because uh, I think, like, if, if this framework, whatever it is, if this technology can inform software design the other way around, like not just bringing iPhone apps to the Mac, but bringing some of the Mac features and the Mac paradigms to the iPad, for example. Um, because now you have a shared system to make one app that works everywhere, and as you say, it's it's obvious to imagine that you know uh, some developers will will gonna are going to make iPad apps that run on a Mac, and iPad apps will get better in return because now you have this developer community that can work together with these two platforms, and so you, this rumor, for example, that. The iPad is is getting is gaining the tabbed feature from Sierra, I think, and uh, also it's gaining the split view for a single app like Safari already has one, for example. Uh, that's great, and that's the kind of feature that you see on a Mac first, and it makes sense for the iPad, especially the big models, because it's also a big screen. And so instead of making fun of oh now I'm gonna see Instagram on the you know the tiny Instagram window on my big Mac, I think it's more, I think it's more productive to imagine, can we see iPad apps be on a Mac, but can we also see Mac developers making iPad software that we could we could not have seen unless Apple made this kind of framework. So I think it's um, it's going to be a fun couple of years. Even if this one, people like you and I, Mike, maybe, you know, we, we're, we don't necessarily care so much about mar- marzipan um, and bug fixes and, you know, performance improvements are going to be fine. But, you know, it's not like, oh, my God, we're getting bug fixes. You know, it's not that kind of mindset. But I think 2019, if this strategy plays out well for Apple, it's going to be really fun here for the iPad. Um, I also wonder, and I wanted to ask you guys about this, do we really think that Apple is not going to have at least like six to seven features about iOS 12 to show off at WWDC? Because that would be strange. Well, 
We got stocks. That's, what but more the do ones you need? That I, well, the ones that I read, they are those, right? Do not disturb, multiplayer AI, uh, AR games, Siri search, and emoji, digital health. Like, that's, they're your features. And then, like, battery stuff, bug fixes, you know. Like, that's what mm. they'll show, and they're your features. And they can just make those seem, like, more important than they are or whatever, but they're so, the features. So far... Oh, like, there only needs to be one of those things that they spend a lot of time on, and then that becomes the big feature, like messages was. So far, it seems like my first prediction that Apple is going to have, like, a big focus on speed and stability is pretty much locked. And it seems like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I think I'm gonna win that right. point. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> just winning a point doesn't what? win you the year, though. Don't forget that one. So to do all of this, this this new restructuring comes along with some internal changes at Apple. Apparently, developers will and engineers will now be thinking of a focus on two years of updates rather than focusing on one year at a time. With the thinking being that if you have one set of features that you're going to implement over a two-year period, you can hold back the stuff that won't work and bring forward the stuff that will work. Apparently, this will give uh, Apple's engineers more time to refine and polish and make sure that the features that they're shipping are the right ones. I mean, my thinking on that is like, doesn't it just cause the same problem? Like, what's one year and two years if you're still working on a defined structure of releasing? But I'm assuming that this will help at least some. But if you have two two years sets of features and you get to the end of the second year and they're not all done, does it not just mean that you're going to have bugs at every second year? I, I, I don't know if... I mean, I would be keen to see if this actually goes about fixing anything or if all it does is just pushes the problems to the second year. Hmm. But maybe that's TikTok, right? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about software development. I mean, there's the idea that work will expand to take the time given. So mm-hmm. they could end up there. Um the way I choose to read it um, is like from an optimistic standpoint that they are giving themselves flexibility that if something, you know, if they, if they hit that deadline, the internal deadline and they say, Hey, this, this needs more time. They now feel like they can give it more time. And of course, like things have slipped in the past. Like there've been reports of that, but this feels like organization wide. What I'm hoping for is the freedom to say, um, either mid-cycle, hey, this needs more time, or what was really more interesting to me, I think, is what does this mean in the future? If the two-year cycle becomes the new normal, what could they do with two years of time that was never possible with one year? Uh, Oh, like That is is really interesting to me. Like what... You start on something in July... And you know it's going to be a two-year thing. Yeah, and that that's very interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I like that. I like that thought a lot. And I guess one of the big things is that it changes the corporate culture internally where people don't have to be super nervous and freaking out that their thing isn't ready for a year when it's totally fine now to make it every two years, right? Like, that. I'm sure that helps a lot. And I guess this is communicated in the, the apparent code names. iOS 12 is codenamed Peace. Uh, <laughs> Mac OS 10.14 is codenamed mm. Liberty. Right. Yeah. And Mac OS may be bringing with it a home app and an Apple Podcast app, probably Please. because of Project yeah, should have, They yeah. should have just named them, We Don't Hate Our Engineers Anymore. That could have been also a good name. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems to reflect the mood at, uh, at Apple. Yeah. iOS 12 underworked <laughs> and Mac OS 10.14. Stressed out. <laughs> there's still time. Yeah. The, the two guys working on Mac OS have a little bit of a break. I'm just kidding. I know there's more than two people. 
So talking about this project Marzipan deal, Apple will need some sort of like halo project to say, look, we brought over Apple Podcasts or home, or I think what a lot of people really want is Apple News. Like Apple News is this sleeper hit we never talk about, but tons of people use it. They need to get on stage with this. And I think they need like, this is this iOS code base and it's written in Swift and we moved it to Mac OS via this new project workflow Xcode magic that we now have. And it took us this much time and we need to do these sorts of things. Um, they did that with the Intel transition very, very well. They did it um, moving from carbon to cocoa very well. And so I think that we will see Apple spend time on stage probably in the keynote, but most definitely in the state of the union, which is sort of like the internal keynote. Like you can watch it on the website, but it's not what most people see. It's, it's nerdier and, and more of the details. Uh, so I think they could use one of these projects, home Apple podcast or Apple news to say, look, we did it with this project. This is how long it took. These are the things we ran into. Um, as an example. And I think that the code names, if they're accurate are hilarious, like I was still code name piece. Like people want their iPads and iPhones to be more stable, but also like Mac OS <laughs> nickname being Liberty is really funny to me. Like you are, you are sort of freeing the Mac up to do more. And to your point earlier, building those bridges for Mac and um, iOS, especially iPad developers to, to bring their apps back and forth. Like if this works and I think it, I think it will like, this is great. Like slowing down iOS uh, uh, development internally this year being a little bit of a breather because the, like, let's think about the alternative timeline for a second. I know know I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry, but the alternative timeline is iOS 12 gets a new car play, a new home screen, a new photos app, whatever all that means, who knows? And, Project Marzipan is real. Like developers are going to struggle in that timeline to be ready for the fall. And I think what happens there in that timeline is that the cross-platform stuff to get an iOS app stood up on the Mac or vice versa, that gets pushed down the road for a lot of developers. But if iOS 12 and by extension Mac OS 10.14 are smaller releases... And the big developer push is this cross-platform stuff. Developers may be more likely to adopt it earlier, right? Because they're not running around having to rewrite a bunch of stuff because a bunch of APIs changed in the photo system. Or they have to redo all their icons. Or widgets are a thing now. They they all need widgets. Like, whatever it is, if all that's not present... Because my guess is that if the Stocks app is redesigned, like, that doesn't affect most third-party developers day-to-day. Like, they're not going to be rewriting the apps because the Stock app is different. Well, you never know. What if what if it generates the sixth new design language? Yeah, it definitely could. Um, <laughs> and so maybe this year we'll see third-party developers move into this cross-platform stuff earlier than they would have otherwise. And that is a huge win for all three platforms. That's big for the iPhone, but the iPad and the Mac in particular have the most to benefit from each other. And that, as someone who uses all three, like I'm super pumped for this. Like I am today sitting here in mid-February – I am more excited about this WWDC than I think I've been in a long time this early. Because if German is right about all Why? this stuff, because because it means that my Mac and my iPad potentially could both be a lot better in the in their in their mm. app ecosystems. There's so much stuff I that's on my the, phone uh, that's just on my phone. Yeah. The possibilities are, are great. I'm very intrigued, but I'm 
I'm assuming that because you are a heavy Mac user, yes, it is even more exciting to you as a possibility, right? Because it would it means a lot for the Mac. It does from an app development it, perspective, and and if, a if there's uh, more focus. it puts to bed at least for a few more years the narrative that the Mac is dead because it's not and. I think Apple. If that was now, if, that, now that, now. <laughs> if, if that was the case, right? Like, so say so say that this comes out and it's a one way bridge. It's you can port your Mac apps to iOS because the Mac is a sinking ship. Like, get out. Then I will be very sad, and our WWDC show is just going to be me weeping into the microphone. But this seems to be a bridge in both directions, so Mac developers can get on iOS easier, just as importantly, mm-hmm. but more exciting for me, iOS developers can come to the Mac more easily and if that's the case and all the reporting says that it is then a mac user should be excited about it i think i think something that could be taken from it and it depends on how it's presented is that uh dedicated mac development is dead i think that might be a negative take to to have from it but i think it may be eventually but i think so my guess is so take something like um like a really complicated mac app like logic right and that's internal to apple but it's the first complicated Mac app that came to mind. This may not give developers of apps, Mac apps like that, the tools to get on iOS quite yet. Or I don't think or, so. Or no, and no. even then, as powerful as the iPad and iPhone are, they're not going to meet like Pro Mac hardware and power for for a while to come. And so I still think like low levels, like uh, not low level, but like simpler apps. And like I'm not a developer, so forgive me. But like apps that that do, that aren't really tied to the hardware and like really pushing my iMac pro, like all those apps, you know, it assumingly would, would be fine to run on an iOS platform, but there, there's still going to be some stuff that's reserved for the Mac. Just like there's some stuff that's going to be reserved for iOS, right? Like really good drawing apps with pencil support aren't going to make the move to the Mac because the Mac doesn't have pencil support. And there are going to be things that each platform is better at than the other, but that whole like middle 80% of the Venn diagram that overlaps that's where all the exciting stuff is going to happen. I really hope that this also means that we might get the ability to connect the mouse to our iPads. There are just times, there are just times when I would really love one. Like doing some really intensive Google Sheets yeah. stuff, I would love to be able to connect a mouse. It'd be awesome. And who, who knows? Like I mean, this, in my mind, this breaks the dam wide open for things that Apple is willing to do. Because if you had brought this up, you know, six years ago, you know, the iPad's kind of getting up and running. The first one's selling really well. The iPad 2 is a big success. And you had said, hey, you know, Mac and iPad development are going to merge somehow. People would have just laughed you out of the room because they were so different from each other. And, and now that's not the case with the pencil and the keyboard. And it's like, who knows? Like, you may get a mouse one day. But, I mean, this means anything is possible. So on that note, I think we should wrap up. I'm going to say before I hand over to Stephen to do the official uh, outro for the episode, please buy our T-shirt. There are links in our show notes. It's over at Cotton Bureau. It's called the Tiny Head Tea. We've got images in the show notes. We have links in the show notes. Go and buy the T-shirt. If you want to find show notes this week, fire up your web browser of choice to relay.fm slash connected slash 180. Um, All those links are there. You can get in touch with us there as well. You can send us an email or, of course, you can find us on what's left of Twitter. Uh, Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. I don't know. It's still there. Okay. Um, they also had good quarterly results. Anyways, a lot of quarterly results last week on download, so I just, I'm just i thinking about numbers all the time. Mm. Mike is on Twitter as I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E, and he is a host of a whole bunch of shows here on Relay. 
FM and he has a YouTube channel at Mike Hurley. It's pretty good. You should go check it out. Federico writes MacStories.net. It's a wonderful website. They have an Apple history column each month that I just love. It's just really, really good. Yeah, I'm going to fire that guy. I don't like it anymore. No! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me at ISMH on Twitter and 512pixels.net and 512pixels on YouTube. Like Mike said, go check out the shirt. It's really awesome. I ordered one in blue, and I'm very, very excited about it. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Sanebox, Anchor, and Zola. Go check them out. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Goodbye. Adios.